I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a safely at death. Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-ordained passions. Go after a dream that's destined to fail unless God intervenes. Stop pointing out problems. Become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. Grab opportunity by the main and don't let go. Live like today is the first day and last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges, blaze new trails, live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Don't try to be who you aren't. Be yourself. Laugh at yourself. Dare to fail. Dare to dream. Dare to be different. Chase the line. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23, we'll look at verse 8 this morning. 2 Samuel 23, verse 8, as we continue our series on being lion chasers. So I'm looking at a bunch of lion chasers this morning, and as we um, look at 2 Samuel 23, 8, the idea behind lion chasers, as I said before in this series, is that uh, the lion we're talking about are God-ordained opportunities. Everybody say opportunities. God-ordained opportunities that we are to run after, chase after, because sometimes, if we're not careful, we get the idea that uh, there are a lot of things we're not supposed to do, and that if we do these things we're not supposed to do, then that gets in the way of our relationship with God. That's true, but that's not all the story. Sometimes the things that we don't do, the things that we've left undone, the opportunities we don't go after. There are a lot of, a lot of opportunities, a lot of pro things, not just stay away from things. It's not just sins of commission, things we do, but it's, sometimes it's the sins of omission, things of leaving things out that really get us. So we're going to look at that this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had, Joshua Bashabeth, the Dachnamite, chief among the captains. He was called Adano the Esnite because he had killed 800 men. Somebody say that's a lot. Killed 800 men at one time. So we've been talking about this idea of being lion chasers, chasing after the opportunities that God puts in our, in our path. And here's the thing. Everybody would do that if it wasn't for the fact that there's some problems involved with that. There's some issues that go along with being lion chasers. And a lot of those issues are, are mental lions. They're fears. They're things that make us uncomfortable because sometimes chasing a lion is uh, going somewhere that's a little bit uncomfortable. It's going to a Sunday school class, going to a jail, going on a mission trip, going to a friend's house to apologize, something uh, like that. Sometimes it's giving something that's a stretch. Sometimes it's saying something a little unnerving in front of people that are a little unnerving. <laughs> and sometimes Chase the Lion is trying to pronounce Joshua Bashabeth in front of a whole church full of people. <laughs> 
and practiced it on that one all week. <laughs> so sometimes chasing the lion, it can be a little bit intimidating, but here's the idea. If we let the fears, let the intimidation, let the idea this may be a little bit uncomfortable rob us from the chasing after the God-ordained opportunities, we're going to live a life of regrets. We're going to come to the end of our life and wish we had done something that we left undone. You might, you might get into uncomfortable situations, but you might be able to say something like, hey, I got pooped on by a baboon one time. <laughs> Those of you who've been reading Chase the Lion, the with a lion on a snowy day may remember that story from Mark Batterson's book. He talked about going on a mission trip to Ethiopia. It was a very dangerous kind of a, not really dangerous, but it was an uncomfortable kind of a trip. It was a, a trip where there was some political unrest in Ethiopia at that time. Um, you know, you expose yourself to third world diseases. So you got to get the vaccinations. You got to pray over your food with a little bit more enthusiasm than you typically pray over your food with. You got to pray over your water, right? Make sure the water's okay. When you take a shower, you're going, pff, 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 trying to make sure the water doesn't get in your mouth when you're taking a shower. I mean, it's just kind of those kind of things. And so they were all, everybody on the trip, a little bit uncomfortable. But there was one girl, named, one lady named Sarah that was really uncomfortable. And Mark says she had all kinds of fears from the plane crash into her getting sick to being eaten by lions and all those kinds of things. And the fact they were going to spend the one their free night, that one free day, the fact they were going to spend that in a national park didn't make her feel any better because their national park's a lot different from our national parks. There were lions and crocodiles and things like that in the national park. And the fact that they had armed guards standing around the camp did not help her feelings out. <laughs> The fact that they saw crocodiles in the river when they crossed over did not help her feelings out. And the fact that they could hear lions roaring when they were sitting around the campfire at night did not help her feelings out. But he said that, you know, none of those things happened. None of the things that she was afraid of happened. She didn't die in a plane crash. She didn't get sick. She didn't get eaten by a lion. None of those things happened. Said the, the, the worst thing that happened was she got pooped on by a baboon. So they didn't know if the baboon meant to do that or not. It's kind of nasty, but it makes a great story at a party, right? Hey, I got pooped on by a baboon one time. I mean, how do you top that kind of a story? It's kind of a cool story. And, uh, and he said, I mean, you know, just the, he said, I just can imagine all the memories that she would have missed had she let the fear talk her out of it. All the memories of encountering people, encountering God, sharing Christ, all those kind of things. Said so now she's got story after story after story that she can tell because she did not give in to the fear. She did not give in to the idea that sometimes those God-ordained opportunities come dressed up a little bit like a scary lion. And so now, instead of having the story of, yeah, a lot of our friends went on this mission trip to Ethiopia and they had this great time, she has the story of actually doing that. Live your life with the way you got some stories to tell that are pretty cool God stories to tell. Don't you know Benaiah had some of those stories? Don't you know when Benaiah's a, uh, no, I mean, he cased a lion in a pit on a snowy day. You know, that's not the only time he did something like that. I mean, the guy does that, doesn't do that. Don't you know when he's telling bedtime stories at night, his wife's like, okay, Benaiah, they're four and five. <laughs> Keep it G-rated. <laughs> Don't teach them to go chasing lions in pits on snowy days. That wasn't the smartest thing you ever did in your life. And tonight, uh, this morning, we're going to look at a guy named Joshua Bashabeth. Joshua Bashabeth, another guy, he only gets one verse in Scripture. And when I read this verse, I want to 
watch it on DVD. You know, I want to see how this thing actually uh, played out because he is living a life in a way that you can tell some stories about. Look in 2 Samuel 23, 8. It says at the end of that verse, because he had killed 800 men at one time. Don't you want to know a little bit more about that? How in the world did he get surrounded by 800 men? Where was everybody else at? And how do you kill 800 men at one time? I mean, does he have his spear? He's like, hey, look over there. <laughs> Shoes untied. <laughs> how do you do that with 800 men? This is quite, I mean, were they threatening the camp? Were they threatening his family? Were they threatening harm to God's people? There's a, a lot of questions about this that we have, but what we do know what we do know is that God singles him out, gives him a verse and says, this guy's living life in a way that's worth telling some stories about. That's what Joshua Bashabeth was about. Uh, so today, I love what Batterson says in his book. If you want to live an epic life, you have to overcome some epic challenges. You have to take some epic risk, make some epic sacrifices. For David, it was picking a fight with Goliath. For Benaiah, it was chasing the lion in a pit on a snowy day. For Joshua Bashabeth, it was taking his stand when probably the rest of the army retreated. So let me ask you a question this morning. What's your mental lion? What's your fear? What's the issue? What's the problem? What's the obstacle that tends to get, because we all have one, right? We all have something that keeps us from saying that thing, giving that thing, showing up at that place, going after that God-ordained opportunity. We all have something that keeps us from those stories that are worth telling at the end of our lives. So I'm gonna talk about three things this morning, three things to help us push through the problems to not give in to the mental lions that roar at us when we're chasing those God-ordained opportunities. Number one is perspective. We need to have God's perspective on the thing because here's the thing. How do we see the obstacle? How do we see the fear? How do we see this problem? How do we see this issue that gets in our way? Do we see it as big as scary, as insurmountable, as too hard, as intimidating, as not worth it? Or here's the thing we got to get to. Do I see this as something that God wants me to do? Is this a God-ordained opportunity, watch this, that has the potential to bring God glory? You see, the idea is not just go out and live adventurous. The idea is not to go out and just, you know, go after stuff to make your life bigger. The idea is, is this a God opportunity that will bring God glory? Does it line up with the mission statement of your church? The mission statement of Hopewell Baptist Church is that we would glorify God by having a great commitment to the great commandment and great commission. Is it consistent with the mission statement? I don't know exactly what the background of Joshua Bashabeth's story was, but somehow, some way, God thought enough of it to put it in the Bible. So you gotta imagine, there was some harm, there was some danger, there was some, some, something about some threat to God's people that Joshua Bashabeth had to get in on. And I guarantee you this, he was not bored that day. <laughs> See, a lot of people feel like that the Christian life is a little bit boring. And the way some people live it, that's true. But if you're following Jesus and not just trying to live, quote, the Christian life, it's not boring. But they didn't come home that day and his wife said, hey, how'd it go today? And he said, nah, it's the same old stuff. 
I, there was that 800 people to attack me and I killed them, all of them. Uh, but other than that, it's kind of the same old stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Run that back a minute for you. 800 people. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, you know, got in a situation. And, and don't you know, that's a pretty big story for him to tell to the people around him. Let me ask you a question this morning. I want you to be real with yourself about it. When's the last time you came home with a story that you couldn't wait to tell your family about something that God did. When's the last time you came home with a story about, man, I got to share Christ with somebody today. I got to pray with somebody today. I got a chance to meet a need today. I saw a, what we call Hopewell, a wow God moment today. That may not happen, probably doesn't happen to you every day, doesn't happen to me every day, but when's the last time you came home excited, not about who won the football game, not about what the latest movie is, not about the latest series on Netflix, not about what your friends are doing or said, not about something that you saw on TikTok. When's the last time you saw something happen in your life, God did in your life, like you were excited to tell your family about? When's the last time you had a story? It may be somewhere near the last time you attempted something that was destined to fail without God's intervention. You see, guys, the more we live boring, the more unattractive the Christian life is to the people around us. And I'm glad to have friends that uh, they remind me of this, that, I, that encourage me this way. I, uh, Rob Jackson preached our revival for us last year. I love Rob, and uh, Rob's uh, done some cool things to help us be on mission with Jesus here at Hopewell. And so I texted Rob uh, about a week and a half ago, and I said, hey, Rob, what's the latest on Pastor Grisha? Pastor Grisha is a guy, pastor in the Ukraine that we felt led last year to supply uh, seven months of his salary for the year uh, when the war broke out. Uh, he realized his church couldn't support him. He bought a van, took a job at a flower shop to uh, try to support himself because his church couldn't support because there's a war going on, right? He made two deliveries and the flower shop closed. It's no income. And then he heard about a church in another place in the north of Kiev, and he started, not a church, but some people, some refugees like, and so he started going there delivering food. He's going there about twice a month, bringing about 250 kits okay, to feed people. These kids cost about $10, $15 a piece, but you matter times that by 250, somebody doesn't have any money. These kids will feed a family, not well, but feed a family for about two weeks. He's going there uh, twice a month, twice a month to feed them. 50 people out of that group have stepped forward and said, either we're Christians or we want to be a Christian and we want to start a church here. And so he's not only starting not only pastoring his church, but he's pastoring this new church that just formed. So I, I texted Rob and he, Rob said, I said, Rob, tell me about what's going on, Pastor Grisha. Show the picture there, uh, if you don't mind. This is Rob, shoots me back uh, the picture here of him and, uh, and you see where he's at. He, that's Pastor Grisha. Rob was in the Ukraine when I texted him. I told Laura, I said, look at this. The man's in the Ukraine. Laura said, does his wife know he's over there? Because it's dangerous and you lose your insurance if you go in there, okay? Anything that happens to you in there, you're not covered, okay? And so I said, uh, when I talked to him a, a few days later on the phone, I said, he's all excited. I said, Rob, my wife wants to if your wife knows you're there. He's like, she's not too happy about it. <laughs> 
But I, I say, he's, that's Pastor Grisha there in the orange looking shirt. And uh, I said, well, he said, man, I just want to tell you about Pastor Grisha, the guy that y'all uh, supplied seven months salary for. He said, it's so humbling to be around him. And he's such a humble man. And he said, he's, he's doing this great work. And he said, the thing that I know, that's Rob on, on, the far, on your far left. That's Rob with the Alabama State Board of Mission shirt on, did our revival last year. And I, and I said, well, Rob, tell me a little bit about it, what's going on. So he starts talking about the new church and he's ministering to them. They had a bomb blew up close to the van that, uh, their van has like 300,000 miles on it, you know. And, and so he, he said, I noticed when, we were making the, when, when I was there the first day that Pastor Grisha had that shirt on. He said, that's the same shirt he had on several months ago when I got a picture from him. Same shirt. And he said, I noticed the next day, it's the same shirt he had on the next day. And the same, that's his wife sitting next to him, the same clothes she had on the next day. And I said, Rob, how's he surviving? And he said, well, I asked him that. I said, Pastor Grisha, how are you making it? And he said, he said, he started crying. He said, that $500 from that church in Alabama been sending us. And, of course, that's run out. You know, there's a, a man and his wife have picked up and started doing the rest of the support uh, for this year. And he asked Pastor Grisha, he said, Pastor Grisha, are you afraid? And he said, I'm scared to death. And he asked his wife if she was afraid. She says, yes, I'm scared to death. We see cruise missiles going over our house. We don't know when one's going to hit us, when, when he goes out to the other city, if he's ever going to come back again. But man, guys, look, they are taking the word of God to people that aren't going to hear it any other way, going to the needy of the neediest, the neediest of the needy there to share the message of Jesus. They're not letting the mental lions get in the way. You see, courage is doing right in spite of the consequences or in spite of the circumstances. And the way you get over the fear is you, is you expose yourself to the fear. The way you get over fear is not by being safe. It's by getting out there and saying the thing, doing the thing, putting yourself out there in a place where the fear is palpable, but you obey God anyway because what? God is worthy of it. God is worthy. You have to be exposed. That's kind of the idea behind immunizations and vaccinations, being build up immunity. You got to be exposed to small quantities of something. And that's how you build up your immunity to it. If you never expose yourself to the fear, if you never push through and say the thing, do the thing, attend the thing, go to the thing, you're always going to live in fear of that mental lion. And you're not going to have the stories that God wants you to have. You know, one of my dreams is that when people miss church, I really miss church. Really miss something cool. I, I, I would love to see God do such cool things here on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights that people are, are afraid to miss. <laughs> so scared that they're going to miss what God's going to do in that particular situation. Listen, guys, we got to have the perspective that the stories that God wants to write with your life and my life are so much bigger than any mental lion that might get in our way. Second thing I want you to see, not only perspective, but the potential. See, our problems... Our issues, the fears, whatever, they come with the potential. They come with the potential for you to help other people. And the more problems you have, the more potential you have to help somebody else. Anybody ready for a little bit less potential? 
<laughs> so, look, when I say the more problems you have, the more potential you have to help somebody, somebody's like, I want to sign up for less potential, please. <laughs> but no, see, some of the biggest problems present some of the greatest opportunities for God to reveal himself and his word. The more problems, the more potential you have. Try to come up with a Bible character that didn't have big problems. Think about it. Abraham had to go to a place where he'd never seen before, didn't have any GPS or see, he couldn't ask Siri about it, you know. Then he had the whole idea that God's going to make a nation from him. He has a son. God tells him to sacrifice his son. Noah's got the whole build the boat thing. David's got the Goliath thing. Uh, Benaiah's got the lion in a pit on a snowy day thing. Paul's got all manner of problems and riots and jail and all that kind of stuff. I mean, try to think Joseph gets sold by his brothers into slavery. Talk about your dysfunctional family. They're all in the Bible. So the problems create situations and opportunities for God to shine. Without the 800 men, we never hear about Joseph Bashabeth. The fact that he got surrounded by an obstacle and a, and a gang that's far bigger than him and far and far more intimidating than him. I mean, if you're there, there and you're going to pick a winner, uh, I mean, 800 versus one. If you want to know, kind of get an idea of how many that is, try singing 800 Philistines with spears on the wall, 800 Philistines with spears. Knock one down, pass them around, 799 Philistines. And you go through that whole thing. That's a lot of people. It's a big problem. It's a big issue and here's the thing the problem has the seed of potential for God to work for his glory and for his own purposes I read about a little girl named Valentino Dominguez uh, she and her family she's nine years old she, her, she and her family went on a trip to Indonesia they flew through Japan and when they got home she realized that she had lost her favorite American girl doll on the trip her favorite American Girl doll was Beatrice, and she lost it on the trip. And she told her parents I, I, when they got home, and Beatrice had made all those trips. They was her favorite doll, her favorite doll. And she lost it. And she told her parents about it. She, of course, she was brokenhearted. She was crying. And parents like, well, sweetheart, I just, I mean, we've been to Indonesia. And I mean, where, how in the world? We don't know what in the world to do. And so, so they put it on Facebook. You know, if anybody can help, you know, I know it's really kind of a shot in the dark, but anybody can help us, we'd love for, for you to try to help us. Just so happened, everybody say it just so happened. <laughs> well, sure, it just so happened that there was a pilot that saw that post. The name was James Dannon. This pilot saw that post. Somehow or another, he had a heart to try to help this little girl. He flew in those kind of directions. And so he contacted, found out where their layovers were, found out where they went. He contacted airlines, contacted airports, contacted lost and found. And he found her doll. It was in Tokyo. And he flew 5,880 miles to bring Beatrice home. Not only did he do that, I love this. I love, uh, and I don't know if the guy's a Christian or not, whatever, but I love it when God does things kind of with a flair. Because on the way home, he took pictures of him and Beatrice all the way home, different places that him and Beatrice were at and posted on Facebook so, so Valentino could see that. And it just so happened, everybody say it just so happened, he just lived several miles from them. <laughs> and he was able to drive to their house and present Beatrice back to Valentino and what I'll say by that is when people have problems or when you have a problem it may be a God-ordained opportunity 
for you to bring something to them. Might not be a lost American doll girl. It might be love. It might be a prayer. It might be encouragement. It might be a trip to the doctor. It might be someone to sit and just cry with. Who knows? But here's the thing, guys. Don't despise small things. Don't turn away the opportunity. Even if there's a problem, don't turn away the opportunity or the potential that this may be something that God wants to work for his glory. Mark Batterson in his book tells about uh, one of the earliest things he can remember is having asthma, waking up, not being able to breathe. And he's had, that all, he's had that all of his life. And for 40 years, he said he never goes anywhere without his inhaler. He played college basketball, played with his inhaler in his sock. That's how much he needed his inhaler. That during the night, playing basketball, grab that inhaler and uh, take a shot of it, we'll keep him going. Say, That's got to be a terrifying feeling, right? Not being able to breathe. So when he was 13, they brought him to the ER one time. He heard him holler, code blue. And uh, his, he and his parents had just started attending a, a, a new church. A guy named Bob Sigmar was the pastor there. And so his parents didn't know what to do. He's obviously Mark's in a really, really bad way. He can't breathe. They're calling code blue. And so he calls the pastor two or three o'clock in the morning. They don't even know him yet. It's a large church. They just started going there. And they say, can you come and pray for our son? And so he comes to three o'clock in the morning, shows up at the hospital. Now, pastor's a large church, some 13-year-old guy that he's never met before. They call it, can you come to the emergency room? And he goes and he, he prays for Mark. And Mark lives through the night, obviously. Prayer team comes by uh, a few days later and asks if they could pray for Mark's healing. And so Mark and his family said, we sure do that. By the way, uh, he ended up marrying Pastor Bob's daughter. <laughs> Never know how these things are going to Pastor Bob may not have went if he had known. No, <laughs> I think he's thrilled about that. But here's what I love about what Mark said. He said, the, the thing that was interesting is they came by and they prayed. The prayer team prayed for, for Mark. And he said it was the first time he got a chance to see a real love miracle. God didn't heal his asthma. He said he woke up the next morning and still had asthma, but all the warts on his feet were gone. <laughs> he said, well, God, that's really cool, but somebody can breathe really good and they still got warts on their feet. So <laughs> the wires got crossed up. And he said it was a, kind of the first time he really felt like he heard God say, I just, he said, God spoke to my heart, not out loud, but he felt like God said, I just wanted you to see I could do it. The, the potential for glorifying God often comes dressed up in a problem. God likes to recycle your pain for somebody else's gain. So here's your weekly growth suggestion this week. Ask God to show you how he wants to use your problems for his glory and to help somebody else. Read chapter five of In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day and read over that Lion Chaser's Manifesto every day, okay? Ask God, how does he want to use your problems or the problems in somebody's life around you for their gain? That's, that's going to help you grow in Christ when you're able to use your problems for somebody else's gain. Continue reading your book in the Lion Chaser's Manifesto. The last of all this morning is a priority. We got the perspective of our problems are to be used for God's glory. We understand there's a potential here for God to use us. And last of all, the priority is we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. You see, the priority is worship. It has to remain worship. And it's not, listen, the priority is not the worship service. It's not the song that we sing. It's not who sings the special. It's not who preaches the sermon. The, the, when I say the priority has to be worship, that means our perspective, our focus has to be on God himself. God helps us reframe the perspective. God can turn our problems into gain. 
God can use us to, to touch somebody else's life in a powerful way. That's why it has to remain on worshiping. When we worship together, God's Spirit does something He doesn't really do in other ways. So don't let, I love what the Lion Chaser Manifesto says, don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Because worship reframes your problems, realigns your perspective, helps you to see that we've got a God that can do anything he sets his mind to do. Give you one quick Bible illustration. Remember Paul and Silas were in Philippi and they got arrested for casting a demon out of a slave girl. I mean, they set this girl free. They did a really good thing, but her owners got mad because it cost them money. So they had them arrested and then they got beaten and they got put in jail. Now, they did a good thing. They're preaching the gospel. They set a girl free. They, they take her away from these oppressive masters that are making money off of her. These are all great things that they're doing. They get put in an illegal trial. They get beaten when they had no right to get beat. They had no right to beat them. They were Roman citizens. They shouldn't have been beaten. They're in jail. It's the middle of the night. You're hurting. You're mad. You got all this stuff going on and you are just trying to do what God asked you to do. And it's the middle of the night. What are you doing? Well, you might be mad at, her, at, at, at those slave guys, for, for, first of all, for trying to profit off this little girl. And secondly, for getting them in trouble because they're losing some money. So you might be mad at them. You might be mad at the authorities for putting you through this illegal trial. You might be mad. You might be mad at God. How come? I'm trying to do your will, man. And you put me in jail here. But instead, at midnight, they're singing and worshiping and praising God. Y'all know what happened, don't you? The earthquake came, shook the doors of the jail open. And Paul gets an opportunity to not only lead the jailer to Christ, but lead his whole family to Christ. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Batterson said out of that story, he said basically two kinds of people, complainers and worshipers. And I'm not gonna ask you to stand because <laughs> I'm kind and I don't wanna have to stand myself, right? Don't wanna have to just stand, but because we're all both, right? We're all both. We all complain sometimes and we all worship sometimes, but here's the thing. When you can focus your mind upon Jesus, and worship him in the midst of your problems, the problems tend to take a back seat and Jesus becomes your focus. Last story, Mark tells a story when before he became a pastor, he was with a, a parachurch organization. And there was a guy, a Nigerian student of his, he was teaching some classes. There's a Nigerian student of his and his legs were so bad that he couldn't walk. He was in a wheelchair. Mark said he would have to pick him up from his wheelchair, put him in a van to go to and from the Bible studies and things like that. He said, especially his right leg was so atrophied. The muscles got so weak that he just couldn't walk on his own. This guy's in his 60s. He's taking Bible classes. <laughs> and Mark said one day when he went down to pick him up, he noticed this cap. On his cap, it said, God is good. And he said, the thing about this guy who didn't have anything, couldn't even walk, going to Bible classes, he said he walked, he lived like God was good. He lived like God was good. He said he, was, he smiled, he was optimistic, he was upbeat. And he said, he asked him, he said, man, what is up with you? You know what, what is that? And he said, man, God really is good. And Mark said, anytime he feels like throwing a pity party, he remembers the cap incident. Just remember the cap. 
This guy, big smile on his face, saying God really is good. So let me ask you a question right now, right where you're at, not later, not when your problems get better, not when you get it figured out, not when the, the problems go away, but right now in this situation, will you truly worship God in your pain and in your problems? Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed? This guy can hardly walk and hardly talk because of the strokes that affected his motor skills and his speech and all that kind of stuff. And yet, he says, God is good. And God took his pain. God took his issues and his problems and recycled them to minister to Mark and through Mark to minister to all those people who read that story and hear him preach. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray this morning that you would help us truly worship you this morning. So not focus on our problems, not focus on the things that get in the way, not focus on the difficulties that stand in front of us, but Lord, to truly worship a risen Savior, that Jesus is alive. We thank you that you're alive today. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Elise is gonna play softly as soon as she finds a song to, to play. I ask you to pray. Are you willing to, to go after? Not let the excuses, whatever your excuse is, whatever the problem with real difficulty is, whatever gets in the way, what mental lion you face, to really get after the God opportunities that come your way. Are you willing to say, God, you're too important. I love you too much. You love me too much to let that stand in my way. The altar is open. You want to come just kneel at the altar and worship. Just say, Lord, I give you praise for what you've done in my life. Lord, I want you to recycle my pain and my hurt for somebody else's good. God, help me to be the one who brings something to somebody else, who brings love, who brings encouragement, who brings prayer, who brings a helping hand, who brings the gospel to somebody that's hurting. Just like that pilot brought the American doll to that little girl. Lord, I want to bring something. God wants to fill your heart with his love so you can bring it to somebody.
encourage you today, get a little bit different perspective on our problems and issues. Uh, tonight, I'm going to start a new series tonight. Anybody, got, anybody in tune with the Holy Spirit know what I'm going to preach on tonight? Who? James, there you go. There's some people in tune with the Holy Spirit. I'll check my Facebook page out one. So uh, let's uh, we'll be preaching on the book of James tonight. So let's bow for a word of prayer. Thank God for our time, our day together. And uh, as we pray this morning.